0: Manfred spoke yesterday for the first time in a good while. He said next to nothing. He pointed in next to no direction for what he hopes to achieve. And he wouldn't even really give a signal as to whether or not spring training's in danger. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovachevich of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I, not coincidentally, also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. Manfred had a press conference, and in that press conference, he was asked several run-of-the-mill questions about the lack of negotiating so far. How can the owners justify having a lockout in which they won't even conduct talks. Manfred put his foot in his mouth on more than one occasion, one of which came to the latter question in which he said, both sides have phones. You don't need to be snotty, dude, you know? And I can't emphasize often enough that even though I am 100% in favor of a salary cap because of the competitive balance and fairness that it can help to achieve. I am in no way, shape, or form in favor of this commissioner or these owners. And yes, believe it or not, that can be a distinctive thing. They're a turnoff. He's a turnoff. The amount of money that they're making in the resale of franchises, some of it, A lot of it built on the backs of taxpayers and taxpayer-built facilities is heinous. These are not the good guys. They just aren't. All I wish from this scenario is that those guys and the other guys would understand that you can't just throw away Two-thirds of the markets in your league as being irrelevant. And that's what happens in Major League Baseball. So if it takes some protracted shutdown, a year, two years, I don't care, if it results in a system that's a lot closer to the ones in the NFL, NHL, and NBA. Manfred did attempt to placate the masses, if not the players' union, by offering this much. We've proposed an agreement that is better in every respect than the expired contract. For the first time in history, and despite substantial opposition by some clubs, we've agreed to institute a draft lottery to address the players' concern about clubs not competing. We've agreed to a universal designated hitter and the elimination of draft choice compensation. These changes will improve the free agent market by creating additional jobs that are often filled by veteran players and by reducing, actually eliminating the drag from compensation. One of those is a meaningful gesture. The other one really isn't, and I'll discuss why in a moment. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. The universal usage of the designated hitter was something that was going to come to baseball one way or another for, oh wow, what, 30, 40 years now? It couldn't have been more obvious. The more we saw the differences between the National and American leagues get neutered over the past few decades, all that was left standing as a distinction between the two, was the DH. That was it. And it was really, honestly, kind of silly. You can say whatever you want about being a purist, whatever that even means in the context of professional sports, which are forever evolving. But the DH really was going to make it here at some point. No one wants to watch a pitcher hit. No one. The pitchers themselves don't want to hit. I don't even think the pitchers facing the pitchers want to face pitchers, although I'm open to being wrong on that one. Regardless, this was a gesture that was going to happen one way or the other. So the fact that the union picks up another 20 or so full time jobs, if you weigh in the rotations that happen at DH, okay, great. Now, the other gesture did mean something, and I want to. Really highlight this one. The elimination of draft pick compensation for signing free agents. That was a real pain, and Scott Boris is behind. Boris wanted this thing gone, and Boris, who is de facto running the players' union, was going to push this one way or another. He saw this as an impediment to getting his main guys, his headline guys, the market that he needed to manufacture the highest possible number. In other words, if he's only got one or two teams bidding on one of his players because the other two or three teams are worried about draft pick compensation, he's not going to get the biggest price. This is all this agent cares about. And if you listen carefully to what Manfred said in that particular instance, he said that he had a hard time getting that past some member clubs. Well, which member clubs might those have been? Yeah, it's the Pittsburghs. That's exactly who he's talking about. That doesn't benefit the Pirates in any way. You know what else doesn't? The draft lottery. If you're the worst team in baseball, or you're the second worst team, or whatever it is, you really ought to be lining up for the number one pick, or the number two pick. Yeah, I'm aware of some of the sordid history, and the NFL obviously just had a really ugly example pop up with the Miami Dolphins being accused of paying their former head coach Brian Flores $100,000 per loss so that they could amplify their draft standing. But those right there are two strikes against the lower-revenue teams like the pirates. And those, by virtue of Manfred stating them publicly, are now pretty much done deals. So what's that mean? What's that really mean? If you ask me, and I keep coming back to this, this commissioner can't be in a position to just listen to the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox and so forth. All 30 teams, for whatever their other imbalances are, have equal votes, equal say. Something happened for Manfred to take these particular carrots to the players. Those teams that we're talking about, the Pirates and so forth, you would think will need something in return. Because if all they do is get walked on and walked on and walked on, wow, I can't even go there. I've got to change the subject. Let's go to a break. Uh, Just one question is coming up next. J1Q in today's comments from Steve Saltis, who asks, DK, what's your take so far on the labor negotiations, and do you think that this will end well, in parentheses cap slash floor, or badly, in parentheses, 10 more years of large market dominance? I'm in no position to be optimistic about anything related to baseball when I don't have any reason to trust The motives nor the effectiveness of either side. This is why I keep saying that for me, this isn't about picking a side the way that 99.99999% of baseball writers have by openly, just brazenly siding with the players. Like they don't even make an apology for it. There's no impartiality at all with these guys. I actually couldn't care less about either side. I do care about competitive baseball. I'm born and raised in Pittsburgh. I'd like to see competitive baseball. I think that's a reasonable stance. I understand, of course, that there's way more to competitive baseball than having a salary cap. Got to have good management and all that other stuff. But it's a nice place to start, isn't it? I think we can agree on that much. Where will it go? Well, let's start with the immediate Manfred said that the owners are taking a proposal of some kind, a counter-proposal is what they're calling it, to the players tomorrow. If that doesn't get some sort of robust, immediate round of applause at the table, and it definitely won't, then you're going to see, and only then, Manfred say we're pushing back the schedule on spring training. That'll cost two weeks of spring training. That will create absolutely no pressure on anyone. Players hate the length of spring training as it is. If you told them they could have a one-month spring training, they'd sign up for it right this second. Moreover, since it doesn't threaten the regular season, it doesn't threaten anyone's paychecks because nobody starts getting paid until the games start getting played. So in all likelihood, Manfred just set this up so that he could say, well, we did these magnanimous things that I told you about Thursday, and then we came at them with this proposal two days later, and they didn't like it. So, oh, well, there goes parts of spring training. It's, it's a PR thing. They're trying to put it back, meaning the pressure on the other guys. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Not Again, when you have 99.99999% of all of the baseball writers openly rooting for the players, you're not going to be able to alter in any form, public opinion. You're just not. Everyone's against the owners. The owners are evil. And everyone's been made to believe that all of the teams that don't have revenue actually have revenue, meaning revenue that could match what the Dodgers and everybody are spending. They just don't. They don't have the same competitive spirit as the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox and all those other teams. This is just the way it is. This is just the natural order of things. How do I think it'll end up? I do believe, if you're going to ask me for a prediction, just don't hold me to it because this stuff changes every day. But you asked, and I'll give you the prediction that I have for this day, how I feel on this day. I believe that you're going to see baseball start either on time Or close to on time. Because until you hear more owners, more team executives, and then ultimately the commissioner saying openly, why are we the only sport that doesn't have this system that all of the other sports have? And what is it that those other sports gain? from having such a system while we continually lose audience in every conceivable way. What's, what's the difference there? What's making baseball so special that baseball can't be touched? Hey! baseball's got a universal dh now it can do anything it can change anything i appreciate the question i appreciate everybody listening to daily shot of pirates and we will do another one on monday